Welcome to LabCast. This is a podcast brought to you by MedLab Congo. It's a podcast where we discuss every and anything medical laboratory science. Stay tuned bi-weekly on all podcast streaming platforms and do well to subscribe. Follow us on all social media pages at MedLab Congo. Enjoy the episode. Labcast listeners worldwide, welcome to another beautiful episode from our tables. We believe you're about to eat good on this episode, so plug in your AirPods, your earphones, increase the volume of your gadgets, and let's begin the ride. In the year 2020, I came across the wonderful and outstanding organization MedLab Convo through the career day program they held. And from there, I got to meet other scientists and scientists in training who were actively involved, keyword, actively involved in deeper med lab solving schemes like volunteering and activism. I was elated and shocked at the same time because I was one of those who was just in the department for being there. I even registered for the career day so that I could feel like I was finally doing something serious with my med lab course. This is just a background to what spurred this subject of discourse, especially for people who have been in the dark or have played nonchalant towards volunteering. I've seen how people have become serial volunteers in the healthcare space and beyond and how it has changed both their lives and their portfolios forever. It has completely turned their lives around. So bearing this in mind, who better than MLS Abimbola herself could we have brought to feed your ears and expand your mind on the subject matter of volunteering? All right, so who is Onaonua Abimbola? Onaonua Abimbola is a Nigerian medical laboratory scientist, author, an advocate for health equity and gender equality. She works in various communities to advance women's inclusion and better governance. She's a 2022 YMLSF ambassador, 2021 Future Females Fellow, 2019 Generation Africa Fellow, Yali West Africa Senior Fellow 2015, alumnus of the University of Nigeria and the University of Ibado. She was a 2017-2018 IFCC Travel Scholar to South Africa on the strength of her undergraduate research work and one of two Nigerian fellows selected by the Thompson Reuters Foundation and the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation for the Generation Africa Fellowship in 2019. She's the founder of the Volunteer Medical Laboratory Scientists Corps, working to entrench and celebrate volunteerism amongst medical laboratory scientists and more health, a social enterprise working to bring healthcare closer to people in every community. She has been privileged to serve in many leadership positions, including President and Final Year from Chapel of Redemption, Unit Class Representative for our Master's Chemical Pathology class, Secretary of AGSOBA Club 9501, Missions and Media Coordinator, FCMLP, Communications and Media Coordinator, IAMQIE, amongst others. 
He contributed knowledge and experience on social media management with YMLSF members in 2020, which brought the MLS for COVID trend to the attention of national TV and international handles who jumped on the trend. There's handle sessions on social media, volunteering for professionals, and so on and so forth on Lead MedLab Africa and MedLab Convo platforms. He served as moderator in 2019 Premium Times National Health Dialogue, panelist at Nigerian Health Watch Forum on Universal Health Coverage and Maternal Health, and so on and so forth. Our focus in leadership remains people building, teamwork, and working for the best outcomes in every community she contributes to. She loves making others smile and equally finds great joy in volunteering for healthcare outreaches to rural communities. Our volunteering efforts and advocacy also extends to groups and platforms she's involved with as she encourages increased volunteering from our colleagues. She's married and blessed with two lovely children who provide an increased learning opportunity for her on the parenthood journey. All right, thank you, Muiwa. So, MLS Abimbola, please, we would love to know in very simple terms, what is volunteering? What is the concept of volunteering? Okay. Um, volunteering is, by definition, the act of giving your time and resources or sometimes your labor for either an organization or a community for free. And that concept actually started in the 16th century. It's um, usually like, I think around the time of war, that normally services that you would be paid for, you can decide to give it to a community or give it to an organization as a kind of charitable service for free. So even though you're not getting paid, you might get like a stipend for transport or for uh, lunch. But the concept of volunteering means that you are actually offering your time, your skills to provide a service without the adequate remuneration of paid employment. And it is usually for charitable reasons. It's for community service. It's for things that you will do just to, you know, give something back to the society without actually considering monetary benefits to yourself. So in a nutshell, that's the concept. It's like giving something back without thinking of what you will get and the best things to give are your time your skills and your labor all right we would also love to know how you got into the volunteering space uh it's i think it was around 2007 2008 i was a student at the university of nigeria inugu campus and my humanities lecturer, Professor Rina Okonko, just approached me and said, would I like to work for an organization? The organization was Nduike Akunuba, which means life, strength, and wealth in Igbo language. And Professor Rina, by the way, is the mother of 
Mrs. Ndidi Muneli, the founder of Leap Africa. So it's it's a family that is dedicated to social impact and community service. And I I was interested because when she shared the vision and the mission of the organization, she said it was something about leadership and personal development for young females in southeastern Nigeria. At that time, I was a transfer student. I had been transferred from Ibadan to Enugu to complete my medical laboratory science undergraduate degree. And for me, that opportunity provided a platform for me to learn as well as to teach younger students and other students in the university campus. And that was like how the journey started. All right, beautifully said, Ma. Um, I would also love to know, not just me, but of course the listeners, what inspired you to create an organization that is focused on volunteering in the healthcare, specifically in the field of medical laboratory science? I think it's not so common for us to find people that, you know, create organizations in our field, med lab science. So what inspired that move? Thank you. <laughs> the story of Volunteer Medical Laboratory Scientists Forum is actually one of a response to a couple of things I observed within our professional circles. When I was an intern at Federal Medical Center or Wondo States, there was an outreach that I was trying to mobilize fellow scientists to join. And then a couple of them asked me, how much are they paying? Like they wanted to know what was going to be their compensation for joining the outreach. And I was trying to explain to them that, no, you don't have to actually get paid. Like this is volunteering. You have to offer your skills as medical laboratory scientists just to give something back to the community. And to my <laughs> surprise, it was something alien to them. And this was me that as, you know, far back as when I was going to enter the school to study medical laboratory science, one of my motivations was how do I use this to benefit the community? My father is a missionary, by the way, and I served as a missionary teacher even before I went to study medical laboratory science. And some of the things that seen in the villages have taught me that, oh, there's a lot of need in the rural areas and stuff. So medical outreaches for me were my way of giving back. However, on seeing my colleagues who barely knew much about it and then were expecting compensation, I felt there is a need to educate more medical laboratory scientists about volunteering and why it's beneficial for us and for the community. And a second reason was because I had an interaction on Facebook with a popular influencer from Kogi State, and she was advertising for an outreach, and she was asking for medical laboratory assistance. And then I commented that, why are you not requesting for medical laboratory scientists? And she was saying that it's the people we see that we can work with, that these are the ones we see and that we work with. And I said, no, there are enough medical laboratory scientists in Kogi State. If you need 
medical laboratory scientists for an outreach. Whenever you need to have an outreach, just reach out. We would mobilize and get people to join the outreach. So those were like the two reasons that inspired that need to actually start the forum. Like we need a critical mass of medical laboratory scientists who are dedicated to community service who see volunteering as a must do and who realize that the professional skills we have is not only for our paid employment offices we are also supposed to find some time to contribute to community development by volunteering our time and our skills and resources and those were the reasons why I started Volunteer Medical Laboratory Sciences Forum. And I would be frank with you, the monetary compensation aspect is still something that um, quite a number of people would always demand for whenever you need to have outreach. It's not always easy to uh, break down stereotypes and conceptions that people have held for a long time. So, but we've made progress. We've made progress because there are more people who are seeing it and buying into the idea that you can actually go for an outreach, you can actually do things for your community without thinking first of what the benefits will be for you. And to be sincere with you, it's not that volunteering does not have benefits. It's just that a lot of people do not see the benefits and so they feel, no, I don't have the time to just give my services for free, which is a big misconception that needs to be cleared. And that's why Volunteer Medical Sciences Forum was started. All right, so let's continue from where you just stopped now. You know, listening to you, I think it's easy to get the feel that um, volunteering seems to be like second nature to you. It's something you do. You said your father was a missionary and you happen to have volunteered in so many courses um, from your profile that we read. But why do you think, you mentioned, I think you mentioned two already, you said one of them could be stereotype, and the other could be that maybe people do not know that they could volunteer for certain opportunities. But I want us to dwell a little bit more about uh, what I'm about to ask now, which is why, why do you think people do not volunteer? I think the first reason a lot of people do not volunteer is ignorance. If they were aware of the benefits of volunteering, they would jump in and be the first person on the boat. But I realized that for so many people, volunteering looks like, oh, there is nothing in it for me. And they just look away. Um, I think, um, let me see. Shortly after I came back from, I think it was 2012 or 20, no, it was 2013. I had malaria delirium when I was coming back from Asaba to Owo. And then I had to spend like a year recuperating at home. And while I was at home, I was like, okay, instead of just being uh, waking up, sleeping, because I couldn't resume normal activities in the office and all of that. I said, let me search for something online to do. Of course, I registered my freelance writing platform on Elance then and started writing. Then I looked for United Nations 
volunteers online platform and then I registered and that was where I got the uh should I say it was an ad on the platform by health access and integrated development initiative and then I started volunteering with them I initially started volunteering as blogger I was writing articles for their website and later I was promoted to communications coordinator. Later on, I became program coordinator. If anybody had told me when I was applying that I would get so much experience before two years was done with that organization, would I have delayed? I wouldn't. So I think the point is, apart from ignorance, the understanding that it's a two-way thing, it's mutual benefits, is not there for a lot of people. So they don't see it as something that as I'm giving my services to this organization, I'm equally getting something in return. Volunteering provides experience. You will gain enough experience. Volunteering helps you to own your skills, like become an expert at what you do without the um, usual corporate structure of maybe waiting until you get promoted. Because when you volunteer, a lot of times you might have to, you know, wear so many hats, especially if the organization is a new one. They would ask you, please, can you do this? And if you feel up to the task, you say, yes, I can do it. And then you start doing it. Before you know it, you own your skills. And then the third thing is that your CV becomes loaded because you're actually gathering you know, experience in a sequential manner when you're a serial volunteer. Now, apart from that ignorance and then the uh, lack of understanding about the mutual benefits, a third factor that I might also consider is that um a lot of people do not have the exposure they do not have the access to information they need to volunteer like i said i said i went to united nations volunteer online platform that platform was there in 2013 and it's still there till date but a lot of people may not know about it they may never have access to it. They may not even, some people might say, oh, I've never even heard about volunteering before. So that lack of exposure would mean that they never attempt what they don't know. So I think those three for me are the factors that can impede the access of people to volunteering. Like they don't know, they don't have the exposure, they don't even understand the benefits, and so they never come in or try to volunteer. All right, you really buttress that point. In short, you use one stone to kill two birds. But I would like for you to even go deeper because I know that I also suffered this thing of not knowing anything about volunteering up until 500 level when i finally found out about medlab convo and then decided to volunteer 
So using your own experience, I want you to delve deeper on the benefits of volunteering, both to personal growth and to professional development. I just want you to delve deeper so that if people are like a about it, they can repent today. You listening to me, repent today and learn it. You know, Thank you for that question. Medla Convo is actually doing a great job. Like I see that Medla Convo targeted um students from the Nemelsa angle, and that's a beautiful one, like catching them young. Like volunteer medlab sciences, like traditionally has focused on actual medlab scientists. Very uh although recently somebody was saying I joined you as a student, but we didn't identify the person as a student. The forms they had to fill, they were supposed to fill. Are you a med lab scientist? Yes, you are a number and stuff like that. So uh that's a good one that med lab convo is actually targeting from students level, and it's 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 the best approach, I think, for now because. For those who are already scientists, a lot of times it can mean that they are already formed, fully formed, <laughs> and they don't want to change some perspectives they hold. But anyhow, let's keep trying from all the different angles. Now, as to your question, the benefits. If I tell you that um, volunteering has uncountable benefits, it might look like an, a, an exaggeration, like, oh, that cannot be possible. But from my own personal experience, volunteering has opened doors, like so many doors, so many doors, so many doors. Like when I think of the things that my eyes have been opened to because of volunteering, I just thank God that Professor Rina actually approached me and asked me to volunteer for Nia back then. Now, one of the biggest benefits that a lot of people do not see is that volunteering can actually help you learn about things you would never come across in your undergraduate or uh, postgraduate curriculum if you were not like a volunteer. And to use myself and as, an, as an example, I became an Health for All advocate because I volunteered with Health Access and Integrated Development Initiative. They were the first persons that asked me to write an article on UHC. And then it was through that organization that I got involved with celebrating UHC Day, which is always on December 12th every year. And it was from there that I started learning about actual, I mean, learning that health access is actually a right. It's not supposed to be a privilege. In Nigeria, health access can look like a privilege where only the rich may be able to afford the appropriate healthcare services and information that they need. But what universal health coverage says is that health access should be available to everybody, regardless of their ability to pay the appropriate health services and information should be available. Now, 
throughout my five year that spanned into eight years of medical laboratory science undergraduate education, there was no core curriculum or what do you call those things, GSC or <laughs> MLS course that talked about universal health coverage. Now, the same way for Yali Fellowship, one of the things that helps your application when you apply for fellowships and apply for opportunities abroad that take you to so many places, they want to see how you give back to the community. Now, if it had not been for volunteering and the health outreaches I've participated in and that I've organized, because I went back to the communities like where I, I taught as a missionary teacher, went back to even surrounding places in Nabeokuta, partnered with Araya to introduce health insurance to communities. If not for some of those activities, my application might not have been considered for some of those fellowships. In the same way, um, apart from you having a better chance at getting international opportunities and stuff, it increases your network. There are so many people that you get to meet when you volunteer, some of them that your pay grade may not yet merit access to. Consider, for instance, that you're volunteering in an organization that has Professor Ngozi Okonjo Iweala as board chair or as a member of the board. Ordinarily, if you look at where you are in your professional um, status, you may not have access to our office. When she was even minister, it's not everybody that can just walk in and then have access to her. But I have access to some important, let me just use VIPs, like very important personalities that if not for volunteering and some other stuff that I've done over the years, I might not have gotten access to them yet. So it improves your network. Like at the time when uh, I went for the Premium Times National Health uh dialogue in abuja i think that was 2019 i met the former head of the osho state health insurance scheme met a couple of other people and like sat one-on-one -on -one discuss with some of them if not for the experience i had gotten back in hai that got me to become a health for all advocates i would not have gotten that platform because it was like another colleague that needed to give the name of someone that could discuss health access universal health coverage issues and the person just mentioned my name and that was how i got to be on that stage and then got access to other people who also because i was a moderator the commissioner and then the other um, head of um, health insurance, they were panelists. So it improves and increases your network. Those are like practical benefits I have seen and I've gotten over the years. 
then if you're a volunteer you cannot look for jobs like you will never be in need of a job like you would have offers you would have to choose from it's my choice to work where i currently work i had offers from top ngos in nigeria they wanted me to come join their team for certain things and i said okay this is not the direction i want to go for now i would prefer to be providing services in the community one of them wanted me to join the communications team probably because of my work with uh what's it called haid i'm not sure why but they reached out and said would you like to do this and then i considered it and said okay i would prefer to actually do services not just the advocacy alone and then the writing alone and so that's like something that my husband too from volunteering is what what he's doing is he started from volunteering so it's like when you volunteer you get access to job opportunities more than the average graduates that just waits at home and then submits application letters and then is waiting for connections or probably trying to see how do i get this job so volunteering opens doors for you to the point where you don't have to pick and choose like okay this one is my preferred option i would prefer to go for this one then the other benefit i can talk about right off the bat is you also get to become an expert in whatever area you want to focus on without a lot of stress you don't you don't stress too much you would of course do the learning you would do the work of actually studying to because for instance when i got additional responsibilities i needed to study to check okay what are the things i'm supposed to do to be able to perform well in this role additional certifications i might need and those would push you to improve yourself and become a better version of who you are even before you started volunteering now that is different from maybe when you start at entry level in a company even if you're getting the certifications if your superior officer feels like you're a threat or your promotion might cost the company some more money or something they may delay you and just keep you on that entry level role for two years but as a volunteer there is nobody trying to keep you tied down or keep you as a particular role or responsibility you actually have the opportunity of asking okay can i do this and then it's encouraged because it's not like you're costing the company money or you're costing the organization more money and then you begin to do a lot of things and before you know it your cv is very rich and you have a lot of things you can actually do very very well so uh i could keep going on apart from the fact that as you give to the community you always get blessings back in return like i have seen that a couple of times too whenever i organize outreaches a lot of times i realize that i just get some i don't know how to put it like is it unplanned blessings or blessings i did not solicit for come back to me some of them are monetary like you could just be that okay i just 
get an opportunity i just apply for and i forget about it and then the next thing i'm getting it is coming with some funding blah 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 and i'm enjoying that so it's the law it's a principle of life whatever you sow you will reap and when you're reaping it's never the same one if you sow one seed you don't get one seed back so uh volunteering has so many benefits to the volunteer like you give you 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 give one let's say you just give one hour of your time in a week or you give two hours of your time in a week the benefits you're going to get back is multiples of that are like a practical experience I mean, as a practical example of that like it's not just about the fact that you are going to get so many things on the job you're going to learn on the job you're going to get experience you're going to improve your network you're going to increase your employability index it's it's a lot of benefits but even apart from that your mental health increases i mean it, it improves when you volunteer and how do i mean like um there have been people that will struggle with depression and then Sometimes they advise to actually think of or look for a, an organization where they can just give back some of their time and give back something to the society. And there is a study that has shown that it actually helps improve their mental health. Like they feel better. They actually are happier. They can function better and Perhaps it has something to do with when you feel valuable, when you feel like a valued member of the community, it can help you a whole lot. And that's one thing that as a, as a volunteer, you're a valued member, like you're somebody that the organization will be proud of, like, thank you. You get so many appreciation uh, messages, you get appreciation, Sometimes it could be uh, souvenirs, things that just show that, yes, we, we love what you're doing for us and we're happy to have you. And that is something that everybody needs. Like the validation, the, the appreciation is something that helps if at all you feel like, oh, I need something back from them. That alone is there. Ma, did you meet your husband on the volunteering ground? <laughs> <laughs> That's the <a funny> one. <laughs> I did not actually meet him while volunteering, but it was my yearly profile that got him in my inbox. Wow. Wow. So I'm going <laughs> in an in an indirect way, it was volunteering yeah. <laughs> because okay. it was my the, one of the first conversations we had was that he had seen my yearly profile wow he's impressed this is blah 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 and that was how the conversation started so it was indirect my volunteering work because yearly okay. was something that happened because i had like a profile as a volunteer and a leader in the healthcare space okay okay ma so i've taken notes and i also want our listeners to take notes volunteer today you just don't know who might slide into your DM. So on to the next question. I just want you to help us briefly in one minute. Tell us your worst volunteering experience in one minute. 
my worst volunteering experience was actually a project that I initiated with an organization. And um, I did not have oversight of the funding. And eventually could not account for what the funds we raised was used for. And that was like kind of damaging because there were people like, you know, solicited, or should I say I approached on the strength of, okay, this project, we need funding for it, blah, blah, blah. And some of them actually gave. So that was like, when I still think about it, I feel so sad, like as a volunteer then, Perhaps I could have asked to have um, a kind of, you know, uh, contributory oversight to the finance before putting my both legs in for the project. But I learned, I learned, yes, I learned from that episode that when it has to do with soliciting for funds, I should separate my personal brand if it is not a project I have oversight of. So I can solicit for funds and say, this organization is looking for funding, not that I will be saying I am looking for funding. So that was like the worst experience I've had so far as a volunteer, like something I, I still look back and I wonder, well, I should have done some things different. All right. All right, man, thank you so much for that response. So uh, well, we're going to ask what your best experience is, but I think that, I, I don't think we need to ask that question. You probably have a lot of best experience. So we'll just go on to the next question. Um, in what ways do you think volunteering contributes to, you know, because we have very spoken extensively about how it helps the volunteer, but in what ways do, does it help the, like say the communities, especially in the healthcare now, since you're focused on, on the healthcare, in what ways does volunteering actually help the healthcare or the community that the volunteer organization is serving? Okay, thank you for that question. Volunteering can help improve healthcare in so many ways. Like, I'm going to share this one now. Perhaps members of MedLab Convo can start implementing, as well as uh, other uh, people I'll be discussing it with. Because it was something that, like, since last year, I've been ruminating about it. Like, how can volunteer medical laboratory scientists? help patients who have a hard time getting their tests done while on admission in the hospital. Volunteering can reduce wait time for phlebotomy. Volunteering can reduce wait time for results collection. Volunteering can reduce wait time for analysis. Volunteering can actually improve the turnaround time for 
all of the aspects of what the analysis, the diagnostic aspect involves, that's the medical laboratory science aspect side of it. And how do I mean? So many of the hospitals in Nigeria are short staffed. Staff on duty are overworked and overwhelmed. And a lot of times, samples are bashed, like samples are kept until maybe when uh, the person on duty can run once and just release results once instead of running frequently. Now, that could also be due to reagent issues and stuff, but the experience I had when I was on admission with my baby last year showed that there is actually a gap that can still be filled by volunteers. I had my baby six day old on due, I mean, on admission at the neonatal ward at FMC Abeokuta. The doctors would draw the blood. However, I would have to pick the blood, go to the lab. Now, before uh, actually getting the doctors to draw the blood, a lot of times you will get the forms, go to the lab, get it, uh, the cost, then pay, return with the bottle, come back to the ward, give it to the doctor. If the doctor is around, if he's no longer around, you wait until whenever the doctors come back and then they get the samples and you pick the sample and the form, you return to the lab again to give it to the uh, medical laboratory scientist on duty to run the test. And there is a wait time before you get the results. When the results are ready or when you suspect that the results should be ready, you go back to the lab again, then you come back. If it's not ready, if it's ready, you collect the results, you go back. There's a lot of back and forth. And patients' relatives actually get exhausted, like doing this uh, <laughs> exercise. I should call it exercise, but it's actually not exercise, it's stress. Because um, I almost broke down in the hospital at a point because I had people who could help me do some of those stuff, but at some point they will not be around. Like uh, my mom, sometimes she might need to go home and pick some things. Like one of my friends was also on, I mean, in the hospital, she could be working on duty, she couldn't come. And that's like, for me, who even has people in the hospital? The other people, the other patients, relatives who do not have anybody, a lot of them were complaining, like, why do we have to keep going up and down, going up and down like this? So that is a gap that volunteers can easily fill. Like if you have maybe, um, students, uh, medical laboratory scientists, students who are close to the hospital, they could just pick a day, like on a rotation, like just come, go to the children's ward, go to neonatal ward, pick samples or pick forms, or they even do the costing right there, then they can help assist with getting the payments done. They have, if they have a badge and can be verified, like, okay, they won't run away with the samples and stuff. It could be an arrangement that will work. And in developed clients, I don't actually think patients run around with samples, but it happens here because a lot of the facilities are short-staffed. 
maybe the potters or the attendants are also so busy with other things that they cannot be the ones carrying samples. And so I think those are like spaces that volunteers can fill. And that can help improve outcomes, like get things done faster for the patients on the ward. So in the yeah. aspect of yeah. that is hospital care. Now, when it comes to rural health access, that's one of the areas that I've been more involved with. At Mo Health, we have actually had rural outreaches that have reached thousands of villagers. The rural outposts, a lot of them do not have primary health care centers close to them. Like the first one we had at Baki village was about 15 kilometers to the nearest hospital. A lot of times the children there, if they get sick, they will present late because if there's no bike or there is no vehicle coming, they usually have vehicles coming on market days or a day before markets to carry farm produce to the city. So if those ones are not available, any child that is sick is on his own or our own. So at such places, at such places, if we do not have outreaches reaching out to them periodically, just for screening purposes, screen them for malaria, screen them for different things like hepatitis, HIV, and all of that, they may actually not have access to these things. And you would that's why Nigeria's infant mortality rates are still so high. Because a lot of times children get sick. Maybe the mother is the only one with the baby. The father has gone to the farm or something and there is no vehicle or there's no bike or there's no money. There are always a lot of reasons why they don't present on time to the hospital. And so they have some preventable losses of children. And I'm happy to say that that Baki village, when we started going there for outreaches, because we go there, we give them health education talks, do the screening tests, and then still, if there are those who need further attention, we refer them to the nearest um, government-owned hospital. And from a village that every year they had children dying at least we have had years now that no children has died so that that was like the first place we started before we moved to fadage before we moved to like Inifo, we do we've done a shojuolu village to like those are like communities where to take a bike to come out it's until you see a bike and then a lot of times it could actually mean that you need to have like right now maybe one five one thousand five hundred naira or two thousand naira to and fro from the village to the nearest hospital now i know that the government is doing very well with trying to increase the number of primary health care centers for instance in Ogun state i know there have been additional primary health care centers that have been built for communities However, there is still a lot more that needs to be done. Like a uh, PHC call that was um, initiated during the last um, dispensation promised to give 10,000 additional primary health care centers, I think. However, that 
is a target I think was not met. And what it means is that if there are 774 local government areas in Nigeria, and in each of those local government areas, you have each one might have up to 500 communities. Like if you're talking of wards or communities, yeah, that's going to be a lot. Sorry. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot. Okay, so I was saying like for each of those communities, if there is no primary healthcare center, if there is no clinic, what it means is that they don't have access to healthcare information, they don't have access to services, they don't have access to products. Now, immunization teams may go, like you might have those who go periodically to vaccinate the children, but beyond that, preventive healthcare is something that volunteers can fill the gap for, like give information, educate about what they need to do, and then as well as the services, screening services, that is what volunteer med lab scientists can actually provide in every community. Like go to a community, screen them, like check, okay, do we have malaria? Do we have HIV? Do we have um, hepatitis B? You can do urinalysis, you can do some other tests that will just quickly help you identify like if there are issues like when i was doing my youth service in delta what we did was i did a blood root genotype for all the secondary school students in the eku baptist school close to where i served and also educated them about why they should know their genotype status and why it's important we also did the hiv testing for them and for me, that was my own way of making sure that in that community, at least for the over 700 students that we reached out to, none of them will fall victim of, you know, I didn't know. That's why I now have children who are sickle cell anemia sufferers or something. So those are gaps that I believe that volunteers can fill individually and collectively. We can go into communities and ensure that healthcare access information is known as well as services is provided. Yeah. Thank you very much. And it's interesting that you even mentioned um, the fact that volunteers can go into communities and educate people about their health. Because in the previous episode, I remember discussing with one of the guests about how in Costa Rica, for example, where they've achieved universal health coverage. So we've been talking about universal health coverage for a while now. They've achieved universal health coverage in Costa Rica. And one of the major things, one of the major ways they did that was to employ the use of health ambassadors. So just like you said, people going to people's community and asking them how their health is and doing certain screening and just informing them of the nutritional and life lifestyle uh, requirement for a healthy life. Yeah, but but that by the way, um if you're going to advise people who want to um, maybe now, because you mentioned exposure as one of the reasons why people don't volunteer. So let's say for people who, who if you're going to help you know, people gain exposure about these opportunities that are out there, or let's say for somebody who wants, who is just starting volunteering for the first time, or even for somebody who has been volunteering for a while, what opportunities are out there? Like how, what platforms do they get to find some of these opportunities? How do they come about some of these opportunities? And yeah, so 
Well, what advice, what um, recommendations do you have for people like that? Okay, thank you. For anyone who is like new to volunteering, the first thing I would ask them to do is ask, what do I have in my hands? Like, what are the skills I have? What are the things I can contribute? They should do a personal evaluation of themselves to see what they have to offer. Now, after you've checked and you've seen, you've properly identified what you have to offer, then you can do an online search. That was how I started. Do an on, I knew I could write, and then I did an online search, like, okay, volunteer online plus writing. And then I saw websites like, so the United Nations volunteer online platform was the first one I started applying with. And so doing an online search can help you figure out, okay, what are the organizations that need the skills or the things you have to offer? Then the second way you can actually do it, if you don't want to use the online platform, I mean, approach, is to look within your community, in your church, maybe the local community association. I have a friend that goes home during their August meetings and uses that August meeting as a way to do public health education and then do screening and outreaches. So that's like another approach. You can do it locally in your own community. Start volunteering from there. Your church, your village, your own environment. That's the uh, where I started from with the like I said, the first place where I was a mission teacher, I saw the need and we started out which is there. So that's another approach. Then the third approach that I think could work is actually joining organizations like Volunteer MedLab Scientists Forum, joining MedLab Combo, joining platforms that clearly have that not-for-profit intent and are just interested in giving back to the community join such platforms learn contribute and you can also from there get opportunities about how to give back to the community there are still other organizations too like i think uh, pro health and um i'm trying to remember the name of this other organization they do annual outreaches where they request and call for volunteers. So that's also like you could set an alert on Google, for instance, like Google alerts and set it for, okay, uh, call for volunteers. And when you get such calls, you can read through, see if you're a good fit for the opportunity, and then you apply for it. and contributes what you 
want to contribute. So I think those are like four different approaches that for a starter can work. Now for somebody who is already volunteering, I think evaluation also is important. Like evaluate what you have been doing so far. Does it align with your own personal goals? Is it meeting your, uh, your needs as, okay, this is what I want to do? Is it meeting your objective? You can look at all of the activities you have been doing so far. Check, okay, is this what I would like to continue with? Then if that is the case, then you can continue doing that while you increase your, um, how do I put that now? You can increase your propagation of what you do, your branding. Like if you feel that you don't talk about it enough, you can begin to put that on your profile. But if you're the introvert type like me, who doesn't always talk about stuff, you can also just choose to do what you need to do and leave it. So for somebody who is already established like a serial volunteer, then all you just need to do is make sure what you're doing, the volunteering roles that you're taking on aligns with your own personal objectives and your own personal development plan. Make sure that if, for instance, in your personal development plan, in 10 years time, you see yourself functioning as maybe uh, a thought leader in, for instance, public health, and then all of your volunteering roles are graphics design or stuff that relates to project management. Those things don't align with thought leadership. So you would have to ask yourself, okay, what I'm volunteering or the skills I am actually giving, are they things that will move me towards the person I see myself to be in 10 years time? So for somebody who is already a serial volunteer or somebody who is already an established volunteer, they need to keep checking. As you're doing your vision boarding for the year, check, okay, the roles I'm taking on, how are they aligned with the person I would like to be? And if there are any aspects that don't align, you can begin to streamline and cut those ones off while you take on more roles that's volunteer roles that is for the direction where you would like to see yourself go. All right. Thank you so much, Ma, for that. So I'd lo also love to ask this question while you give me like a brief answer on it. If we check the landscape today, we'll find out that there are many successful people who did not become necessarily successful by being volunteers. Do you think that volunteering is, in quotes, overhyped? Or do you think that it is not necessary for you to volunteer before you succeed? What? Just give us two cents, your thoughts on this. <laughs> okay, my own thoughts on these are that actually success is relative. What counts as success for you may actually not be for me. 
like <laughs> i was just reflecting on something the other day like when i was at the headquarters of the bill and melinda gates foundation in johannesburg south africa i did not take any photos to like you know post on social media and say in johannesburg at so so place or you know like people do location tags whenever they are in such places like wow i'm here and all of that because for me it's more or less like it's a place yes it's, i was quite excited to be there i was like wow i love the work this organization is doing and it's actually like a dream to be here and see the way the operations look like but for me that's not like something to rack up as an achievement so when you say there are successful people what defines success what is your definition of success that is what determines whether they are actually successful i don't actually believe that um anybody can succeed without giving back to the society i don't think so because um they may not be volunteering in a structured way let me put it that way they may not be giving in a structured way but i think that one of the principles that determines how far we go is how well we give some people give money and like i said from the very beginning that volunteering is defined as you giving your time, your resources, your labor. Money is a resource. So when you look at all of the philanthropists of the world, look at Bill and Melinda Gates, for instance. They are like one of the top philanthropists you can find in the world. They give of their money, they give of their time because you see them travel. Uh, Bill Gates was recently in Nigeria to advocate for increased uh, contributions from the government for healthcare, agriculture, and a couple of other things. Like they give their time, they give their resources just to ensure that SDG goals are met. That is volunteering. They might have started from, you know, the lower rungs of the ladder like we do like okay maybe they go to a community and talk or they go to a company and say okay can i do this but now that they are like at the pinnacle a lot of people don't see them as volunteers we see them as oh they're like these big successful people but they are giving their time they are giving their resources so maybe for me i see them as super volunteers so for me i believe that you cannot actually get to the acme of success without giving and i think it's also the principle of corporate social responsibility companies give they give back to the communities you might find like companies like shell they give uh they'll say in uh, maybe delta states they are giving uh resource center they are giving scholarships they are giving a lot of things back to the people of the communities where they are drilling oil. So it's giving back. 
when you give, you get back. That's the principle. So I think that volunteering is not overhyped. Volunteering has different uh, facets. And as a student, as a young professional, volunteering as we know it is what they may not be doing when they are already successful. But I believe that if you get close to them and you find out, you would actually discover that even as successful as they are, they still volunteer. Like some of the big names in the sector that you know, they take on board chair advisory roles for not-for-profit organizations. Some of these roles are not paid. When you hear, okay, I think recently Professor Oshibajo, Yemi Oshibajo, the former vice president of Nigeria, took on, I think he, he took on a board chair or advisory role with a climate uh, organization. That's one of the SDG themed organizations that uh, he joined. I have not really uh, done any research to see if it's a Pedro, but my, my own uh, understanding of when you take on either an advisory role or a board chair or board member role is that it is not paid. They may offer you sitting allowances for when you come for meetings and stuff, but it's not a salaried role, to the best of my knowledge. So that is volunteering. And as successful as he is, he has taken that on to make sure that issues about climate change get advanced and we have the uh, solutions or the, uh, the results that we want as regards climate change. So for me, that is still volunteering. It's just that it's at a higher level than the normal definitions or the usual definitions of volunteering. So that's for me, that's my own perspective on it. So thank you so much, scientist Anolua, for what you just said. You know, there's so much to really harvest from all that you've said. Um, I was just wondering, Anybody who volunteers, probably just a fraction of what they do, right? They, they, they'll probably have work as well that they earn from. And let's say for students, probably have school and they probably have other commitment as well. Um, so how does one really balance volunteering with other responsibilities and how do they overcome whatever challenges that may come along um, because they are volunteering? Maybe you could share from experience and tell us how you've been able to um, bypass some of these challenges okay if i understand your question what you're asking is like how do you manage time to ensure that your volunteering responsibilities do not affect your schooling or work and other responsibilities right yes 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 so whether it's time whether it's clash of commitment or clash of or conflict of interest or something like that any challenge at all okay thank you so um the thing is, adulting is hard. That's what this popular slang is. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that before. Like, to become an adult, 
out of the four walls of school is very hard. It's challenging. And one of the reasons is because you have to juggle a lot of things together. Perhaps when you were in school, it was just wake up, get your breakfast, go to lectures, go to when you come back, go to the fellowship or something, and then come back and you're gisting with your friends or you go for study time and stuff. And that was like what you were used to. But as an adult, like as somebody who is now working, apart from the fact that you have to go to work, you still have to juggle. If you're a parent, you have to juggle childcare, you have to juggle a lot of other things with it. Now, what I think is that when you make a commitment to volunteer, it's a commitment. For instance, on some of the platforms where you actually apply for volunteer roles, they would say that, do you have up to four hours a week? Some of them could say two hours. They would actually give you a specified time slot of the time commitment that is expected from you. Now, it helps you become a more efficient person when you're able to combine different responsibilities and different things together and still ensure that none arms the other. When I was um, a facilitator at NIA, was the first time I learned about this rectangle of productivity. I can't remember the exact name it was called, where we were taught about very important and urgent, less important and urgent, then there are the other tasks that are not important, uh, not urgent, and not important, urgent. Like, I think there were four boxes. Yes, and important, urgent, important, um, not urgent. That's the last one. Yes. So it was at near I learned about it. And it was something that helped a lot. Like, subsequently, I could now understand that, okay, whenever I need to do something, I can check, okay, is this very important right now? Is this very urgent? Is it something that I need to do? And then I can prioritize what I need to do daily. So the first things I do are the very important things that I need to do. I don't wait. I mean, you should not wait until it becomes very urgent before you do the important ones. So now the ones that are not important and not urgent, if you have time for that, you can always do it later in the day. But if it's important and is urgent, then you do that. Then if it's like, uh, you know, less important, uh, you, you know, you just prioritize, you learn to prioritize your daily task or your daily responsibility. So what it means is that the volunteering aspects, it's important. If it is urgent, you do it immediately. Same way as your personal responsibilities, the things you do for yourself. But if it is important and not, uh, I mean, it's not as important and it's not urgent. If like they ask you, okay, can you help us read through these documents? Uh, we just like to have your feedback on it, get your thoughts about it. It's not like you're the one that has to determine 
whether the document gets pushed so you can tell that okay on a scale of preference is something you can leave till the end of the day then that will not clash with your work you will do your work first and then you get to do it but um there is something about flexibility too you should always realize that okay at work you can take permission even for lunch one hour of lunch break and then during that lunch hour break as you're grabbing your quick lunch you can quickly get on board i mean with what you need to do for the ngo or for the organization and quickly checking with them okay i saw this meal uh this is what you asked me to do okay i'll get on it then you can check it if it's something that you can easily do within that hour you do it so what this means is that if you prioritize your volunteer responsibilities and then ensure that you're doing it as well as your own personal responsibilities a lot of times it forces you to be more efficient you become more efficient you become somebody that you can actually defend you know when people write on their cvs that i'm efficient i can multitask i'm good at um juggling responsibilities i can do this i can do that this is the uh practice ground you can actually do all of those things and learn how to do it well when you volunteer but if you're not volunteering if it's just work and your personal responsibilities maybe school and all of that you end up not building that efficiency model and by the time you now get into a more demanding job you might end up not performing well so i think juggling your volunteering responsibilities as well as your studies and your personal uh needs will help you become a more efficient person and somebody that can multitask and do so many things at a time like together all right thank you so so much man you've really poured out yourself on this episode so we're done with the episode but i'd like you to leave our listeners with just an advice or two for people that are still having double thoughts or they are still double-minded on volunteering just give them a line of advice or two what you don't give does not come back to you if your hands are closed you will never be able to receive all the gifts that the universe has kept in store for you open your hands wide and share what you have with others that's when you can get more back for those who are already volunteering they also need to take initiative to suggest roles or additional responsibilities they would like to take on that's like if you know that okay you already have a leg in with this organization you're volunteering and you think you can contribute more in a different capacity you should take the initiative to suggest that and ask for it your track record as a volunteer already can make it easier for you to get that 
uh, additional responsibility or that additional uh, role. And sometimes it can also work for getting paid employment to ask for additional uh, roles or responsibilities as well as take the initiative to do something more as a serial volunteer. All right. So thank you so much, Anoluwa. Thank you so much for spending time with us and for furnishing for us with your, well, your wealth of knowledge and experience about volunteering. Personally, I've learned a lot from all that you've shared. And I'm sure that anyone listening to this conversation, whether they are serial volunteers or they're just about to start volunteering, I'm sure that they also have take homes from all that you've shared. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, so that concludes this enlightening episode of LabCast. We've had the privilege of speaking with Anton Oluwa, the founder of Volunteer Medical Laboratory Science, Scientist Corps, amongst many other positions that she has held. And we've been talking about volunteering, especially as a student within the healthcare space. We've learned that volunteering is not just about giving back to the community. It's a transformative experience that, that benefits the volunteers themselves, whether from gaining and owning valuable skills to gaining access to people and opportunities that would ordinarily would not have access to. You know, the benefits are immeasurable. So we're hoping that this episode for you, as it is for us, uh, would whet your appetite if you're just starting volunteering or would um, strengthen your resolve to see, to know that volunteering is, is a must-do for everybody. And it's something that we should enjoy doing, not just uh, do it grudgingly because, well, mm, you're, you're the one helping the other person, right? It's something that also benefits you. So as we conclude the episode, our listeners, we also thank you for, for spending your time with us, for tuning in as usual. And we'd also like to remind you to follow us on all our social media platforms. Remember, it is at Medlab Convo across all platforms, all your favorite platforms. And you can also listen to us, remember, on all the podcast platforms that you listen to. Um, if you also have anything you want to share with us or have further questions about this episode, about any other episode, or anything you just wanted to say to us, even, just to, even if it's just to thank us or something, you can always reach out to us via uh, email at medlabcombolabcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave a response. For those of us who are using Spotify, you can leave a response um, in the interactive session of this podcast. Um, so, yeah. I guess that does it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much again, Alua. And um, Yoma, thank you again for doing this with me. It's always great spending time with you. Chai, thank you so much, Mewa. Thank you All so right, much. All right, it's another episode. Uh, we'll say bye for now. Bye.